So if you've missed any of the talks through Revelation, you can find them all on our church website. They're all recorded. Um, So thank you, I think mostly to Chris, who uh, Christopher, who looks after that, making it available to everybody. So do follow up on anything that you've missed. Um, And don't forget the little booklet that was written on Revelation. I always think I found myself reading it again this week to remind myself what we have looked at and how we should understand it. It will help you as, as we go along. Well, we're going to be looking at chapters 4 and 5, so we're going to read almost all of it. Um, Let's hear God's word together. John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were Twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, round the throne, were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And one of the elders said to me, 
Do not weep. See, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Well, let's keep our Bible open there. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word written down for us today so that we might see your greatness and your glory that we might see the living Almighty God. And that is what we want to do today. We want to see you with our minds. We want to know you in our hearts. We want our lives to be changed. We don't want to be the same. We want to be different. We want to be more like the Lord Jesus. We want our church to be the way you've called us to be. We want to walk on in our faith with confidence and assurance. We don't want to settle for anything less than living for you. So would you by your spirit make all what we have just prayed a reality in each of our lives today. We ask this in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. So when you look out in the world, you turn on the television and listen to the news or read your social media, who do you think is in charge well, I bet most of you are thinking, well, that's easy. God. God's in charge. And of course, we'd be right, wouldn't we? But do we really believe it? Do we live as if God is in complete control over all things and all people? You see, we look at the world and we see 
tragic accidents. We see pandemics and wars. We experience the cost of living crisis and shortages of energy. We watch as world leaders threaten nuclear missiles and invade countries at will. And rather than control, we see what is more like chaos, destruction. And instead of sitting in peace, we are running around in panic. We fear and we worry that God has lost the reins of power and that the forces of evil are encroaching and are taking over. It's how the church felt as John wrote down his vision of Revelation. The might of Rome and the power of the emperor were squeezing and crushing the church. For a believer at that time to stand up and speak out would certainly leave you isolated and without a job. And to claim that, well, Jesus Christ was Lord, well, that would get you killed. Things were not getting easier. They were getting a whole lot worse. Who's in charge round here? Is, is God in control? Of course, the same pressures are felt today. The subtle voices that remind us that Christianity is completely irrelevant and outdated and done for, it's over. The constant silencing of the church and the objection to God's word. We feel squeezed and crushed. And in our private moments when we're on our own, we're questioning, is, is, God, is God really in charge? Well, let's look and see what John sees. Have a look at chapter 4, verse 1. After this, he says, so this is after his first vision, back in chapter 1. So after this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. We can picture John there as this, in his mind he sees this, this door open and well we're invited with John to step into heaven itself. Look at the rest of verse 1 and the voice I had first heard speaking, me, speaking to me like a trumpet, that loud blaring blast of a voice, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. From our new vantage point in heaven, we are going to see history and the world from God's perspective. We literally move from the chaos that we are in on earth into the calm of heaven. Through this vision, we are entering God's control room. Now we must keep our eyes wide open because as we enter through the door there's lots of things to see. We're not going to be able to stop and look at them all but we're going to see the main things. And the message is clear. Don't panic. God rules his world. Don't fear. God controls your destiny. And don't worry, God is being worshipped. So, don't panic. God rules 
his world. Three things we see that tell us this. First, we see a throne. Verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven. Well, we know what thrones are for. They're for kings and rulers, people who have power and authority. So we are entering into the place of sovereign rule. In fact, John doesn't want us to forget. So everywhere we look, we see this throne. When John describes something, it's always in relation to the throne. Follow with me as we look at this. Chapter 4, verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning. In front of the throne were seven lamps blazing. Verse 6, in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass. In the centre, round the throne, were four living creatures. Chapter 5, verse 1, Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 11, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands. They encircled the throne. Can you see the throne? Don't forget the throne, John is telling us. There's not chaos and anarchy. This is the place of power and authority. Well, a throne may symbolise rule. But it's not much good unless somebody is sitting on it, is it? An empty throne is no good to anyone. We need someone to rule. So the second thing we see is God. Verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. This is God's throne, for God is the supreme ruler over all things and all people. Look at his description. Can you see his beauty? Verse 3. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, these crystals, these jewels of brown and red. And not only that, but they were shining this rainbow that shone like a, an emerald which encircled the throne. So it's not just kind of our normal rainbow, it's a rain circle, if you like. Multitude of colours, glistening, bright and dazzling to reflect and display God's majesty, his beauty. But not only that, can you see his power? Verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. You've been in a storm where you've seen the lightning crack, the sky lightening up and the, the, the house almost shakes. Well, multiply this by, by ripples and peals of thunder and fire. This is earth-shattering power and it's terrifying. But then we can also see his calm. Look at verse 6. Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass. 
clear as crystal. We think of the sea and we think of waves crashing into the rocks. But here the sea is like glass, completely smooth, absolute peace and stillness, utter calm. As we look at God on the throne, we are at once together in unison blinded and attracted by his staggering beauty. We are shaking in fear at his awesome power and we are overwhelmed by his calming presence. This is our God who sits on the throne, ruling and reigning over all things and all people. No one and nothing can compare to his magnificence and greatness. God can't be contained to something manageable and controlled. God is bigger and awesome as we try to grasp his beauty, his power and his calm. This is our God. We see a throne We see God and we see worship. As we look at God on the throne, we also see other people who are there and creatures and they're all surrounding the throne. Picture the throne in the middle and on the outer circle, look at verse 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and Seated on each throne were 24 elders. Now these elders most likely represent all God's people from all time. So 24. 12 patriarchs representing the old covenant believers. 12 apostles representing the new covenant believers. 24 in total. This is all of God's people from all time and all places all gathering around. And then we move closer to the inner circle. Look at the middle of verse 6. In the centre, round the throne, were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. They're, They're looking at everything. They see everything. They know everything. Verse 7, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. These strange creatures represent the whole of creation. Think of the lion who rules the wild animals or the ox who is the strongest of the domesticated animals. Man who is over all humanity. The eagle who soars over the skies and the mountains. Each creature is a picture of power and rule in their own little domain and realm. But let's not get caught up with who they are, but what they are all doing. Can you see what these elders and creatures are doing? They're all facing and focused on God who sits on the throne. They're not dwelling on their particular position or power. They're worshipping the one who rules over all. And they burst into song. Verse 8. Holy, holy, 
holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, well, there's a ripple effect that goes out to the outer circle, verse 10. The 24 elders, when they hear it, well, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive the glory and honour and power For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. You see, God is at the centre of the universe. Not me. Not you. Not any earthly power. Of course, leaders and influencers live as if they were seated on the throne. We sometimes think we're sitting on the throne and act as if we are in charge. But here we are invited to step through heaven's door and we see the world in history from God's perspective. We see God on his throne. No rivals, no questions, no doubts. There is only one ruler, the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is, and who is to come. Never was there a time when he did not rule, and never will there be a time when he is not ruling. Kings and emperors come and go, and they all die. Putin and Biden and Martin, they will all come to an end. Governments and councils, the UN and the G7, they'll all come crashing down. But God, lives forever and forever. So Carrigaline Baptist Church, when you feel the world is against you, when you feel the church is under threat, and you feel isolated and alone as a Christian, and you're wondering, are the powers of evil greater and better? Don't panic. God rules the world. Second, don't fear. God controls your destiny. Again, as we walk around heaven's control room, we see three things. First, we see a scroll, chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne, so God is seated on the throne and he's holding in his right hand a scroll with writing on both sides and it's sealed, it's closed up, it's locked with seven seals. What's this scroll? What's written on it? What's the secret? Why is it hidden? Well, look back to chapter 4, verse 1, where John was invited to come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. You see, God is continuing to unveil and to reveal to John all that must take place. In other words, what is written on the scroll 
is what is to take place. God's purposes and God's plans for history in the world, all from the resurrection of Jesus to the return of Jesus. Our future destiny, the history of the world, where we're heading, what's going to happen, is all wrapped up and sealed in this scroll. And notice chapter 5, verse 1. This scroll has writing on both sides. There's no room, there's no gaps. You can't add anything more to it. It's complete. You see, the world and our future is not unfolding by chance. There's no random event. It's all according to God's design and order. It has been written down. Our future destiny is in God's hands. But we've got a problem, haven't we? Did you see what the problem was? No one can open this scroll. There's nobody that can be found who can carry out God's plans and purposes. Verse 4. So I wept and wept because no one found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. You see, God's purposes and God's plans are great. But unless they're put into action, unless they become a reality, well, we're done for. The world and our future destiny is lost forever. There will be no end to the suffering and the struggle. Darkness and death will reign forever and ever. Satan and evil will win the day. No wonder John is weeping. The scroll containing our future destiny is of no use. It's useless unless somebody can come and open it and carry out God's purposes for the world. What's going to happen? Is there anybody who can do it? Are you going to stand up and say, I'll carry out God's purposes? Well, we just need to look back over the history of the world from the very beginning where God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, Adam and Eve, I want you to rule the world on my behalf. I want you to be like a king and queen, to live out my purposes to do as I please so that my reign will fill the earth. They failed miserably. And in our attempts, all we've done is created more chaos and destruction and disaster. There is not one person who is able to fulfill and live out God's purposes and plans. But there is one Because we see not just the scroll, but we see Jesus. Verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Stop your crying. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. This is Jesus. God's promised king. He's able to open it. He's the one who is able to carry out God's plans and purposes. Why? Because, verse 5, he has triumphed. 
He has triumphed over sin and Satan. He has conquered darkness and death. He is God's victorious champion. And how did he do it? Well, let's read on, verse 6. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. I mean, what's going on here? Our, our minds are a boggle. We're, just a moment ago, we were looking at the lion, the roaring lion. Now he's a slain lamb, beaten up. Rather than power, we see a picture of weakness. Instead of victory, there's defeat. But look where this lamb is. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne. You see, God's victory comes through suffering. It is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that the powers of darkness were destroyed. It was through the sufferings of Jesus that the rule of sin was defeated. As Jesus died on the cross, it seemed all was lost. It was as if hell was cheering in celebration. But it is through the cross that Jesus reigns and has victory over all things and all people. So can you look now and see where the lamb is and what he looks like? It looks as if he had been slain. But now, middle of verse 6, the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God set into all the earth. What's all these sevens about? Well, the seven horns. His perfect power. The seven eyes, his complete knowledge. The seven spirits, his eternal presence. Jesus Christ is the all-conquering, victorious champion. He is power over all things. He knows all things. He is present in all things. He is the one who will carry out God's purposes and plans. Jesus can open the scroll and unfold our future destiny because he has triumphed. We see a scroll, we see Jesus, and we see worship. Once again, the throne of God from where Jesus reigns is the focus of our attention. It's pulling us in like a magnet. The song of praise that revolves round and round, it reminds us of all that Jesus has done. Verse 8. And when Jesus had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Verse 9, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. This is what Jesus has done. He died for us. He's purchased you. He's bought you with his own life. So that we might become his kingdom people. Ruling with him and for him on earth forever and forever. So Carrigaline Baptist Church, 
Don't fear. Your future destiny is secure. God has rescued you so that you might rule for him on earth. Yes, suffering will come our way. Yes, we may feel squeezed and crushed. We'll face opposition and persecution. Satan may stand against his church. But through the death of Jesus, our victory is secured. Death has been defeated and destroyed. We are on the winning side. So don't fear. God controls your destiny. So don't panic, don't fear, and don't worry, because God is being worshipped. Again, let's see what we see. I hope it's clear at this stage that we can see the worship. We can't miss it, can we? Wherever we look in heaven's control room, there's spontaneous worship. As we see Jesus, who is God, seated on his throne, as we see his rule over all things and his control over our destiny, so heaven responds in worship. Can, can you see it taking place? Can you even hear the song? In the centre, God is reigning through Jesus and in response, all around in these circles, going out and out and out, we have the four living creatures, all of creation, around the throne. And beyond that, we have the 24 elders representing all God's people from all time. And if that were not enough, look at verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in an ever-expanding circle, verse 12, in a loud voice, they were praying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. I don't see any panic here, do you? I don't see any fear. And I don't see any worry. Just worship. Joy and delight in all that God has achieved through his Son. You see, when we see God for who he is, when we capture that vision, we do not need to worry. He rules all things. He controls all things. And that includes every detail of your life. Because it's all been written down. Whatever happens, God is in charge. Not only do we see the worship, but we're to join the worship. This isn't just a spectacle for our entertainment, but it demands our participation. One of the things I love to do is to go to a big sports match, especially the big ones. To take your seat in that stadium and to watch your team. 
And there as you look down on the pitch, everything unfolds before your eyes. The longing, the hoping, the urging your team to win. The final whistle blows and the crowd in one voice join in the celebration. Victory has been won. Well, that's what we have here, a sense that I want us to capture. That we've been invited today to take our place in the stadium of the worlds and the universe worship of God. We sit and we watch because it's him who does it all as history and the world unfolds before us. It's bloody and it's hard. There's suffering and there's struggling. There's pain and there's death. But the outcome is never in doubt. We watch as God rules the world with power and authority. We watch as our future destiny is secured. And we worship. We celebrate the victory. We join in the praise of heaven, verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. And the living creature said, Amen. And they fell down and worshipped. You see, as we join in, we begin to get a glimpse of life and history from God's perspective. We're lifted from the chaos of this earth to the calm of heaven. We stop looking at self and our own little worries and concerns and we look at God. We see his glory and his greatness and we remind ourselves of his sovereign rule and the panic and the fears and the worries become less and less. We join in the worship and we bow in worship. There's lots of singing going on and we love to sing and we're going to sing in a minute. But you know what? Standing up to sing or sitting to sing ain't going to change anything. You see, when we worship, it's about the heart. And our hearts need to be right. Mouthing out words and following a tune, that won't transform you or me. Do you see how those in heaven worshipped? Go back to chapter 4, verse 4. We see the elders on their thrones. End of verse 4, they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. But what do they do? End of verse 9. They lay their crowns down before the throne. Chapter 5, verse 8. The four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Verse 14. They fall down and worship. Do you see what's happening? They, They see God. And they fall down, they are taken in by his, his beauty and his awesome power and his, his calm, his peace. 
And they take off their crowns. And they bow in submission to God. Their action is an attitude of their heart. You see, for you and I, there is only one response to this almighty, great God, and that is we submit to him. To acknowledge that he alone is at the centre of the universe. That God alone has power over all things, knows all things, and is present all things. And as we worship and as we sing, we are laying down any claim to God's throne and we submit our life to him. He created the world and he has the right to do whatever he desires in the world. He created me and he created you and he has the right to use me and you in whichever way he pleases. And I do not understand his ways but you know what, that's okay because God's in charge and I'm not God. He is. So don't panic. God rules the world. Don't fear. God controls your destiny. And don't worry. God is forever being worshipped. Let's pray. As the rain falls on the roof, it just reminds us that we have no power to make it rain, no power to make it stop, but God alone is in control. How awesome, how amazing you are. We bow before you, we submit to you, and say, Lord, this is my life here, take it and use it as you please, for your glory, for my good. Help me not to panic, help me not to fear or to worry, but be filled with the vision of our great God. Amen. Well, I think we need to sing, don't we? It would be hard not to. So, we're going to sing.